Hello, everyone. You're listening to a new episode of the Mayor Tom Henry podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, This is episode number 107, recorded on Monday, November 27th, from Citizen Square in beautiful downtown Fort Wayne. I hope everyone enjoyed a fun and relaxing Thanksgiving weekend with your loved ones and your friends. Now, in today's program, I'm excited to talk about our city's largest venue for sporting events, conventions, meetings, and so much more. And you may have guessed it by now, we're talking about the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. For myself and all of us to learn more about the current and future happenings of the Coliseum, I'm pleased to be joined by its Executive Vice President and General Manager, Melanie Carney. Melanie, thanks so much for coming today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is this will be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, just sit back, relax, yeah. and uh, don't be intimidated by this big microphone. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. Well, Melanie, before we get started, uh, you and I were talking off the air for a few minutes about yourself and your background, your family. Uh, what can you tell? You were also a college athlete. I was, yes. Yeah. I Why was, don't you tell our, our listeners a little bit yeah, about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm originally from South Carolina, born and raised. Um, so I'm originally from Aiken. Um, for any listeners who don't particularly know where that small town is, um, I usually I can say, um, do you know where the Masters in Augusta, Georgia is played? <laughs> and right. then I'm about 25 minutes right across the state line, and that usually kind of helps them know where in the state <laughs> I have I've lo- you know I grew up, uh, and so I have an older brother, and uh, I kind of grew up chasing his heels. Um, he's three years older than me, and so that was where sports came into play. Uh, so anything he did, I, I wanted to do it. If it was tackle football, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Let's. Um, and I had great parents that supported kind of all of those narratives, so I could flip from football to cheerleading. Or, um, but it ended up that I um, really cultivated a love for softball. Oh. And so my dad grew up playing baseball, oh, and so when I sure. started out playing baseball with the boys, uh, before softball was really kind of a thing <laughs> uh, for women, and then I very clearly remember the day that it, I knew it was time to switch to go play <laughs> um, softball and I, I was on first base because I'm tall and I heard this a little boy had gotten on first and I heard this funny noise behind me and it sounded like pff, pff, and I turned around and he was bent over with a snot rocket hanging from his face oh geez oh <laughs> my, my little God. self my little 10 year old self oh, said this is not where no. I need to be anymore yeah, yeah, and yeah, I got yeah. in the car that day and oh, told my dad it's time to play it, softball <laughs> <laughs> and he said well what happened and I told him and said so that was actually what started it oh boy and he said well I don't know anything about pitching but I'll figure it out and so that was just kind of how it all started oh was, gosh. you know, just chasing my brother around and then realizing I don't need to play with the boys anymore. Yeah, this yeah. is <laughs> boys, boys was enough. Yes. So that hey, so was you played it. in college as well? I did, yes. I oh. played at the University of South Carolina. Oh, my gosh. So I was a pitcher there. loved it. Um, people say, well, ask, did you bat? And I'm like, no, I did not. Toe the, plate, <laughs> toe the chalk one time. Most, um. most, most pitchers can't bat. <laughs> no. Uh, or they bat very little. Oh, that's that. And then so you – you started your professional career then in South Carolina? I did, yes. And it, they kind of dovetailed together. When I was going to college, you know, my 17-year-old brain, when asked, well, what do you want to do? Uh, you know, I knew that I loved sports, and I thought, well, maybe I'll like business, so let's see if we can merge the two. And mm-hmm. it was very simplistic thought process in mm-hmm. my head. Uh, but the University of South Carolina actually ha- runs, has an, owns and operates an arena there. It's about 18,000 seats, and they had an internship, a very strong internship program. Uh, and so at the time, 
uh, they had a private management company running uh, it. Sure. And so that was just kind of where it all eventually came together. Um, it was actually after college. I didn't do it right after college. I traveled around a little bit to New Zealand, and that was where I got the operational experience uh -huh. with a pro basketball team. And so I just kind of remembered after college when I was really trying to find, okay, what is my true calling? What is my, my footing going to be? Um, you know, that first operational job that I had, it was the most hours I had ever pulled. It was the <laughs> least amount of money I had yeah. ever made, but it was the happiest I had ever been. Ah. And I just thought that's what everybody keeps saying. That's kind of, you know, certainly you want to make more money, obviously, mm -hmm. but that was, you know, if you've got the happiness and the hours melt away, you don't particularly know that they exist. And so I kind of just followed the wisdom of others. And that's thought, true in public service, too. Yes. We never, we don't make any money, <laughs> yeah. but, but we love what we do. Exactly. Yeah. So you worked in management, facility, facility management Correct. Uh, for a period of time, and then you ended up at the Coliseum how long ago? So it's almost two years. So almost it'll two be years. two years on January 10th. So what attracted you to Fort Wayne? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm assuming you had never been here before. I had not, no. Uh, I had not. I had not even been to the Midwest, uh, <laughs> and so I had had done other travels. I'd just not made my way here. And um, so, truthfully, it was so the Coliseum itself is very unique in our industry in the fact that it is an arena, a true convention center, and a true expo center mm -hmm. um, combined. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist. I think there's only a handful of those venues in the country. Uh, and so, up until that point in my career, I had done an indoor arena, uh, a pro soccer stadium, I had done football, um, and I was back on the arena side. And so, that piece of it, arenas, I kind of call them chame chameleon. You can you can morph them into anything. Well, you can morph them into a convention center, an expo center, um, but to have three kind of separate existing ones under one roof is very unique. And so that piece uh, that piece of it would just felt like a wonderful challenge. Mm -hmm. That if I can if I can you know lead that, guide that, and uh, feel like I've got a team that we are truly being successful at that. It, I feel like okay, it, at any point in my career, I feel like it will give me the tools to tackle what I need uh, and so the venue was the initial hook uh, and when I got here uh, you know when I was part doing the interviewing process I remember walking around just you're just kind of looking you know uh -huh. uh, and I thought it was so smart to have the artists put murals up around the, the city <laughs> uh -huh. it kind of told Fort Wayne's story without necessarily having to have somebody narrate it for you and it just kind of felt like there was an undercurrent of home. Because I'm from the South, people mm -hmm. here are extremely nice and very friendly. Um, there are parts of the country that doesn't necessarily exist. Yeah, and <laughs> so it felt like all of those little microcosms started making me feel like, oh, this might, this could be my next step, this could be home, this, it could have all of these mm -hmm. things personally and professionally. And so that was the initial, the initial draw. So you've been there a couple of years. Uh, any surprises? Oh, there's always surprises in venues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, they always, um, venues are, they are their own living mechanism. Um, they get sassy at times, whether it's just going to be a busted pipe before you are trying, mm-hmm. you know, an hour before you're opening up doors. Sure. Um, but I think one of the things that I was most pleasantly surprised about, uh, because I have been at venues that are in the industry considered old, but relatively speaking in terms when you match them up to the Coliseum are young, like 20 years younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a bit nervous about coming to a venue that opened its doors in 1952. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I walked in, I was just blown away at how well maintained it has been. Um, I think that there has been a lot of intentionality from previous management, from the county, from really taking very good care of their asset, uh, and that is very telling in every asset, in every aspect of the venue, from the guts of it to you know the more forward-facing pieces of it. Um, so that was a pleasant surprise, I would say. <laughs> well, you've hosted. The Coliseum has hosted hundreds of events. Uh, they do every year. Yeah. And everything from wedding receptions to mm-hmm. musical concerts to farm implement shows and, and, and so on. Um, what are, what are, you know, this, the Coliseum seats how many people? So 13,000. 13,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had some, some pretty good shows. Yes. Over the years. I, I've gone to a number of them myself. This this past year, since we're finishing up now, 2023, was there any particular event this year that really uh, was a, was a surprise at how popular? Was it a music um, venue or? It was, to be honest about it, it was when we did Beyond Van Gogh. Oh, that sure. That one I felt like afforded us the opportunity to flex different muscles mm-hmm. um, because most of the pe- most people think about us as far as the comments, mm-hmm. um, basketball, sporting events, in, in kind of in that lane. Mm-hmm. And I don't always like it when a venue gets pigeonholed a little right. bit. Uh, and so I had had several friends in the industry who had hosted that event and it just always got rave reviews uh and so i just thought man we are such an art community like i can see it on the buildings i just feel like it afforded us the opportunity to flex different muscles um and it would just it was such a positive reception Mm -hmm. to the fort wayne community uh and i think the best way that i can sum that event up is that the first day that we opened a family was coming in and they had what was probably about a seven or eight year old little girl and she was walking maybe 15 feet in front of them so she got into the room before them and she just stopped dead in her tracks and looked up and said oh my goodness isn't it beautiful and just started twirling and I just thought that is just such a pure honest reaction but that kind of embodied the event and the spirit of what it was and that piece of it I really liked the uniqueness that Beyond Van Gogh brought. Are you going to bring him, bring it back? So they have different versions, actually. Ah. Oh, good, so good. you can Great. get a Monet. They also um, they have a King Tut version that I think would be extremely interesting. So there's different versions of that show out there that I think we can stay mm. in that platform, but maybe not have to stay in that exact vein. Mm. But no, I would definitely let them come back by all means. It was an awesome event. Well, one of the nice things about being a... Um, a, a multi-event uh, facility mm-hmm. from, again, music to sports to yeah. to uh, Van Gogh to all type of home and garden shows and so on. Uh, how many people do you think a year 
come to the Coliseum? So before pandemic, we were exceeding every year for almost 30 years over a million visitors. Oh, my Lord. And so that has been the benchmark. That has kind of been the rabbit we have been chasing. Uh-huh. At the end of October, we were at 871,000. Uh, looks and like so you're almost pre-pandemic. Just, yeah. Yes. So that, and not just as far as attendance goes, I feel like for a lot of businesses, 2019 was mm-hmm. probably their benchmark year. They're yeah. trying to, they're constantly kind of comparing right. to. Right, And so we've kind of been doing that across the boards. Like, what are... How many tours are out there? How many concerts mm-hmm. are we hosting? How many patrons are coming in the building? Because mm-hmm. there are so many different facets mm-hmm. to what was happening in the market. What are the artists doing? What's the ticket buyer doing? All you know, all of that. When people are like, "Hey, how's the industry?" I'm like, "Well, what part?" You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's been a lot of talk in town too about us having too many venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously the Coliseum, but then you've got Parkview Field. Now that's, even though that's primarily baseball, they also offer a lot of other uh, choices at, at Parkview Field. And then you've got uh, the Convention Center, and you've yeah. got the Embassy, and you've got Sweetwater, you've got the Clyde. Uh, are you finding that hard to, I don't want to say compete. Sure. Because, because I don't, I, I guess there is some competition there to some extent, but working in a in a city that has a number of different venues sure. and sometimes they do overlap yeah uh has there been a a, a, a cooperative competitive atmosphere yes <laughs> okay. yeah absolutely <laughs> and to be honest about it when i have been in in places that are kind of willing to do that you usually end up better in the long run um and so for an example in a previous city if i and, and actually not in a previous city i've done it here as well if if it is let's say my booking calendar is jammed up and i can't get an event but i know that it's could potentially play off at the embassy um you know i have shared kelly's information and said hey look you know we need to champion fort wayne mm-hmm. i still want fort wayne on the map despite me not being able to get the business um, and there have been times where um, seating capacity wise if i didn't think mm, i don't know that this is this is a true fit for us if mm-hmm. there's another venue here i'll say i need you to con- mm-hmm. like, go consider this this is however many miles away from me um, and so at the end of the day if Fort Wayne's winning then we are going to consistently win um, of course you got the market for the bigger shows sure yes you know your, your big uh, country and western mm-hmm. country and western they don't use that yeah. word, country <laughs> um, shows or uh, uh, some of your more pop music and so on the, sure. the, the, the groups that bring in 10 12 13 14,000 people obviously you're the only you're the only one in town uh, but uh uh, that's good to hear because I know from time to time I do get concerns expressed to me. Maybe we have too much. Sure. And I think as long as there's a, a cooperative atmosphere out there, we don't want to uh, cannibalize each other. Correct. And I think that's something, you know, to kind of be mindful of um, – all of the players that are in that are in the market because at the end of the day um you know if we'll use ice cream shops as a safe example if you have two ice cream shops sitting across the same road Mm -hmm. from each other the the 
consumer now has two options. Am I going to this person or am I going to this person? They might both have great ice cream. They might both have their favorite flavors, um, but it's still competition. That's why a Burger King will be next to a McDonald's. There you go. Yes, it's making the it's making the consumer yeah. choose, yeah. whereas prior they didn't have to. Yeah. Um, and so that piece of it is when you are working in a city, um, you do want to be cognizant of that. There's only so many sponsorship dollars. There's only so much labor. And how much can your market um, support and, and support it successfully? And that's the piece you want to make sure that you know the clients, whether it's the promoters or anybody, knowing when they're coming to Fort. Wayne, it's not, you're not coming to an inundated market where you've got six other things going on that right. night and then they're worried about ticket sales. So, right, sure. you know, it's it's something to have in the back of your mind. Um, now, do you do your own promotion or do you, does the Coliseum have a promoter that goes out and tries to get acts to come in? So we, it's a two-way street. So the booking piece is always a two-way street. Uh, so the promoters can call me uh, or I, there are calls that, there are booking calls that I am on with different entities that I I can say, oh, okay, this artist is looking to go out on tour in Q3, uh, and so I'll, maybe they would consider our market. It's one that um, it's it's a tour that would consider our size market. Uh, you know, the Taylor Swift and Beyonces of the world, while I would pine to have <laughs> them here, I always tell people, you know, if you don't have a, a capacity that is large enough to offset that price mm -hmm. tag, mm -hmm. what is that ticket worth to you? Right. Because the smaller the venue, the higher right. the ticket price would have to be to offset all of the expenses. So it's this balancing act of strategic... When, when Taylor Swift can fill yeah. Wrigley Field yeah. with seven to 80,000 people, yes. then... Yeah, it's probably probably a little too big for we're, us. Yeah, I right. don't want to say we're out hitting our weight class, but you know, you can always. But dream. what's nice though is there are some acts, I know that, uh, perhaps are playing in Chicago, and mm -hmm. their next stop is Detroit. Yes. They will stop here on their they way. They will. Yes, and I've done that before too. I've looked up their tours to see when they have an off day, mm -hmm. and I've just made a call before and said, "Hey, how do you feel about Fort Wayne? Mm -hmm. I know you still want to make money. Do mm -hmm. you really need that day off?" Right. And I just kind of called uh, promoting fishing. You're just you've always got lines in the water. And, sure. And you could have a fish on the hook, but if you don't get it in the boat, you know, for whatever reason, um, routing and that piece of it always comes into play. They're trying to be very strategic about um, where they're where they're putting shows back to sure. back because they load in at 5 or 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. Loadout is done at 2 a.m., 1 or 2 a.m. They've got to physically be able to get the show to that next stop, stop sure. and kind of wash, rinse, repeat. So it's more than just, oh, let's get, you know, let's get my favorite artist. Right. Uh, it, there's a lot of other pieces. A lot that more to it than play. that. Yes, exactly. yes, absolutely. You've been here for a couple of years now, as we mentioned. Uh, obviously, you're beginning to put your vision together yeah. for the Coliseum. What, what do you see as far as the future? A lot of color, a lot of, a lot of the artist col artistry color. Um, and so it was, I mentioned before, the artist murals are kind of in and around the city that really struck a chord with me. Um, and one of the things that, in a great example of this, is making sure that, um, you know, we're providing an environment that is um, not just about providing the event, but there's so many touch points that a patron goes through when they're walking into the 
the venue? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Uh, and so being intentional about even some of the smallest things, one of the things we recently did was the souvenir cup. You know, mm-hmm. we, we partnered up with um, Theopolis, uh, a.k.a. Fresh Laundry, the right, local right. artist, uh, and kind of shared our vision of, hey, this is what the building is to us. There's the military piece to it. There's the history. There's mm-hmm. the fans. There's um, so many different sports and concerts. Can you create something, a piece of artwork that we can you know, put on a souvenir cup so mm-hmm. it's a take-home item? Uh, and so to me, it's kind of bringing the outside in, making sure that there's local representation of what we are doing um, for the patrons that are coming through the building. So for me, that's what I really get excited about um, as far as kind of the vision and the future of just kind of staying in lockstep with where I feel like people are sharing with me Fort Wayne is going. You know, I hear it all the time, we're not indie, and I'm like, I don't want us to be indie. I want us to be our own thing. Um, But when I say a lot of color, that is what I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of just seeing the artist murals um, and starting to see that in different spaces around the building. Uh, so people just kind of feel like it is an extension of Fort Wayne. It is a mirrored reflection of that. Sounds to me like you're preparing it for the next generation. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) It better be. (laughs) Well, with that, that's about all the time we have for today. Melanie, thanks so much for for coming in for our podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. Now, before we go, though, uh, if the listeners want to know more about events coming to the Coliseum uh, or – uh, shows or whatever is, is there some place they can go to yes they can go to our website at memorialcoliseum.com uh, and you will find all of our events just memorialcoliseum.com mm-hmm. yes outstanding yeah thank you peasy thank you and thank you to to our listeners uh you always make our our uh, our programs exciting because i know how many of you listen to it and our and our audience keeps growing and growing well it is another great day in the city of fort wayne so all of us, let's keep our momentum going. This is Mayor Tom Henry, and we'll see you again soon.